Welcome to the New City Church Podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, pastoral resident Peter Hansen is preaching a message from Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, and the message is called, Behold, the King of Kings. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Well, good morning, church family and visitors. My name is Peter Hansen, and I'm a pastoral resident here at New City Church. So I, am, I feel beyond privileged to deliver God's word to you today. I am so excited. I, I feel like a shaken up soda bottle. Like if I had to wait another week, I might just burst. So <clears throat> I have a lot of joy in this. But in today's message, there's a lot of seriousness. I would compare it to like... Parents like me, when we have to teach our kids the, the seriousness and danger of not playing by the road. You know, you, you start off soft and gentle, right? Like, you want them to listen to you at that, at that tone, right? Like, kids, I, I love you. I love you. So don't play by the road. It's dangerous, okay? Okay. But kids have a supernatural ability to do the exact opposite of what you teach them, Right? It's bizarre. So then sometimes you have to increase your intensity and seriousness a little bit to reiterate to them, like, kids, I've told you 50 times now, don't play by the road. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. You see those cars going by? It's dangerous. So, you know, you increase your seriousness, right? Increase the intensity a little bit, but it's still love, right? That's what a loving parent does. Sometimes you got to get so serious and so intense that it's like, stop, stop, don't go on the road. If it sounds like I'm speaking from experience, it's because I am. Because uh, the other day, my girls were chasing a soccer ball right towards the road. A truck was coming, and if their trajectories continued, it would have been tragic. And I, I froze, my, my gut sank, and I'm just like, the only thing that came in my mouth was like, stop, just stop. So, you know, it's serious, right? Like, no reserve. There's danger. And that's very much the same with Jesus and the gospel message that he preaches. He's a gentle and lowly savior, but he's also saying very seriously, like, stop, turn away from the road to destruction. Get out of the broad way. He's saying, repent, turn around. Believe in your Savior for eternal salvation. It's serious. But it's all out of love. I want you to keep that in mind as we get into God's Word today. Now, when I study God's Word, I always start with a bigger context and then zoom in. You know, like the Google Earth perspective, 300,000 feet up in the atmosphere. And then I slowly zoom in to get the, the full meaning. You know, you want to get the whole counsel of God. You want, to, you want to look at God's whole redemption story from Genesis to Revelation, right? Uh, you ever heard the phrase, like, you can be so focused on the tree that you miss the whole forest? That can be done in Bible study. So you want to know the bigger context. 
That's what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. So here's a big context for you. We've been going through Matthew, right? You guys have been paying attention, right? That's what book we're in. So the book of Matthew, like you can almost call it a chronology of the king. Like the Old Testament, you know, like the chronologies of the kings there, the official record. And Israel's record and Israel's history is very important to them. I think probably the main reason why is because they were tracking the line of David for the future Messiah. So Matthew, he, he kind of follows that same pattern, a chronology of the king. He even gives the genealogy of Jesus in chapter 1. And he acts as a herald, Matthew does in his gospel account. And he's like, hark, hark, listen up, listen up, the king has arrived. And this we have the Sermon on the Mount now. And Jesus is preaching to the multitudes, and he's saying, hark, listen up, your king has arrived. Listen to his kingdom priorities. Repent and believe. And now Jesus, towards the end of his Sermon on the Mount, he gets real serious. Like a few moments ago, he's like, you know, yeah, I used a joke a few moments ago, a log in the eye. That's kind of comical, right? You know, uh, Jesus enjoys humor. You know that? He invented it. Um, he was like, yeah, I know I used that funny illustration, but right now, listen up. I'm getting serious. I'm getting serious. He says, these are some, some very serious warnings for you. Flee the broad way. Beware of false prophets. I never knew you. We'll learn about that one today. And build your house on the rock. Because storms are coming. And this is all out of Jesus' heart of love. Again, a loving parent says, do not play by the road. Do not play by the road. Stop! Get out of the road! It's all love. Therefore, we get to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 that we're going to zoom in on today. And I've, I've shaped this message to address two groups of people, believers and non-believers. Because I believe that Jesus was addressing those two groups. So children of God, I want you coming away from this message realizing the immeasurable and unfathomable grace and love of God the Father. This is gonna be a message of comfort and hope for believers. But those of you who do not profess Christ, do not call him your savior, I desire that the word of God would deeply penetrate your heart. And I want you to be appropriately terrified of eternal damnation, which is the just judgment of God towards sinners. Non-believers... Those of you who do not profess Christ as Savior, the first half of the sermon will mostly address you. But for both groups, this is a call to action. There's a sense of urgency to it. There's a sense of seriousness to it. Hark, hark, I herald to you all the words of King Jesus. So let's open up God's word and read the text. I encourage you to open up your Bibles and, and read along. Matthew chapter 7 Verses 21 through 23. This is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. As you can hear, there's a few buzzwords that are worth meditating on. Lord, kingdom of heaven, Jesus' father, and depart from me, I never knew you. Let's meditate on those. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to answer them introspectively. Do you know Jesus as Lord? His kingdom of heaven is real. Are you going there? Eternity is reality. Eternal paradise and eternal damnation are real places. Every human being is going to one place or another. Let's think about this other buzzword, this phrase, Jesus' Father in heaven. Do you know Jesus' Father? If you don't, that's very concerning because you're on the Broadway, the Broadway to destruction. And then there's this phrase where Jesus says, depart from me, evildoers, I never knew you. Those are words that you never want to hear from Jesus. If I could be a little facetious here. Those of you who have not yet believed in Christ as your Savior, you may be tempted to say, aha, I've got you. I found an error in Scripture. How can Jesus say, I never knew you, if he's omniscient and all-knowing? Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Atheist. You are an error. Because when Jesus says those words, what he means is he has known of you your entire life. He was sovereign over your conception You are created in the image and likeness of God. He even makes the sun shine and the rain fall on the good and the evil. He gives you every breath in your lungs. He knows every hair on your head. And he's behind the atomic force that holds your atoms together. God gives you every day on earth. That's a lot of patience and grace. And yet you refuse the Savior. So what Jesus is saying to you is that you're a complete stranger to him. And he says, away from me, I never knew you. As the late Jonathan Edwards would say, if you accidentally slip right into hell, it's because you were hanging out in slippery places. And I would add that one of the most slippery of places you could be is the idol worship of self, of building your house on the foundation of quicksand. Because there's no greater deception than the depths of wickedness in the human heart. For you, to, you know, for you to say, I don't need God. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm good. Who is God to tell me how to live? I defy the living God. Your pride stinks to high heaven. If you want a godless state of being, you'll get exactly that in eternal hell. To spit in the face of the humble and gracious Savior... No wonder God's word calls unbelievers recipients of his wrath. If you are without Christ on judgment day, 
Joel Osteen is right. You can have your best life now because hell is hot and it's forever. Eternal damnation is God's righteous and just ruling towards wickedness. So let's keep zooming in on the passage and for a greater understanding of the meaning. Did you know that when you do Bible studies, it's okay to ask questions? <laughs> questions like who, what, where, when, why? Well, who? We already know that it is Jesus preaching and that this is his Sermon on the Mount, as it's called. And this sermon is actually recorded from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, and we've been studying it for a couple months now here in New City Church. Yet Jesus does this whole discourse in one sitting. <clears throat> Where? This entire church service is on a mountainside near the Jordan River in Galilee. Side note, Moses brought the law of God down to the people on the mountain, and Jesus brought the heart of God the Father down to the people in his Sermon on the Mount. You see that connection? Also, the people of Jesus' day may have not been physically worshiping an idol right then and there in front of Jesus, but Jesus clearly knows all their thoughts. And Jesus knows their hearts. So I wonder if that's why he addressed so many different ways to overcome idolatry in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do not murder. Do not sin in your anger. Keep your marriage vows. Do not judge your brother. <clears throat> Only Jesus knew what idols they were fondling in their hearts. Perhaps it's good for all of us to be studying Jesus' words and the Beatitudes too so that we can forsake our idols and truly cling to our true king. Your wooden idol may float, but it's not a lifeboat. Salvation alone is found in Jesus. Here's another point to ponder. Is it uncomfortable to sit through a 40-minute sermon in comfy chairs while sipping coffee in the A.C.? If so, then you would have certainly been uncomfortable sitting on a mountainside listening to Jesus. Do we love Jesus more than the idols of comfort, convenience, pleasure, self? It's a question I often need to ask myself. Jesus brought the heart of God the Father down to his people on, in his Sermon on the Mount. Let's keep zooming in. So let's reread the scripture passage again. And, and not like how toddlers pray at dinner time. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, let's read God's word meditatively and soak it in, okay? Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. <clears throat> so let's ask the big question now, what? What is this event that Jesus is referring to in that day? Well, it's an eschatological, well, see, it's a tongue twister. 
eschatological event. It's a big word. But it simply means end times or last days. And we get that phrase, last days, in English, from the Greek word eschatos, which means uttermost, farthest, final, last in succession. Friends, we are in the last days. Meditate on that. Hark, hark, the king has come. He died and rose again. He ascended, and he's coming again. Hark, listen up. So theologically speaking, this event, or eschatos, as that word is, has to do with events in God's spelled out or prophesied timeline, concerned with death, judgment, and the final destination of man. I'd say that's pretty serious. So what is this event? It's the great white throne judgment where every single soul is judged by Jesus Christ before they enter into eternity to determine where they'll end up. And this event is fixed. It's settled. It will happen. Every soul that has ever lived will stand before the great I am, the holy and awesome God, and give account of yourselves, ourselves. We're talking about the great white throne judgment, the final judgment. Your last stop before you enter into eternity. Unbelievers, listen up. This is serious. Do I have your attention yet? The Bible says that at the great white throne judgment, you'll be directed into your eternal destination. I got a couple passages of scripture here I want to share with you, but please, I encourage you to do your own Bible study. There's so much in God's word about this event. But 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. In Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Facts. Every moment of our lives is leading up to this place in time where we will stand face to face with our creator and give account of ourselves. <clears throat> Fact. Every human's destiny is to stand before the holy judge before they enter into their final destination. Let me say that again. Every human's destiny is to stand before the holy judge before they enter into their final destination. Are you ready to meet your maker? Let me read for you from, let me read for you from God's word what that will be like. I encourage you to open God's word and follow along. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, just to get a quick glimpse I do love the sound of pages in the Bible turning. So Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And then I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. 
And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Are you ready for the last judgment? How you answer that question will reveal the condition of your soul. Love is willing to give hard truths. I share all this to you because I love you, and even greater than that, God loves you. At this last judgment, there are two judgments that are given, eternal paradise or eternal damnation. And I'm not trying to use fear tactics here. This is simply God's word. Non-believers, all your fears and worry here on earth shouldn't cause you to lose sleep. In comparison to not knowing where you'll end up after the great white throne judgment. If you do not know where you'll spend eternity after you physically die, this should terrify you. If you haven't believed in the one that God sent to earth, his son Jesus, and you're standing before God's holy throne preparing to receive judgment, you're out of time. Even a terminal diagnosis of only three months to live here on earth is more hopeful because you have time to repent and turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior. Some people might be tempted to believe the lies of, hey, I don't mind if I go to hell. It's just going to be a party with my friends. That's a lie. Or the lie, there is no hell. I don't have anything to worry about. If you haven't trusted in the Lamb of God, you will receive God's fullest measure of wrath and condemnation because you'll be sent to where the Bible describes, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's the biblical definition of being damned. I encourage you to do your own Bible study. Look up Matthew 13, 50, Revelation 9, 2, Revelation 19, 20. And there's a long list of scriptures you can go to that talks about the reality of hell. This is hard to describe, but if I, if I am reserved about what God's word says, then it wouldn't be loving, so I've got to give you the full truth. The Greek denotes extreme anguish, utter despair, snarling and biting and growling under the most unimaginable and most intense suffering by human souls. I've seen pictures of like the Holocaust ruins and like uh, POW cells, and I've seen pictures how there's uh, human scratch marks on the concrete walls because they're so desperate to get out of that hellhole. But let me tell you this: your worst day on earth is heavenly compared to your best day in eternal hellfire. Okay. Here's some self-evaluation. Do you think you're saved because X, Y, Z? 
Do you think that your good works will get you into heaven? Do you think that because you go to church that you belong to Christ? Do you think that God is a forgiving God and so you can live however you want and he'll just welcome you into paradise anyway? I'm afraid to say he may very likely say to you, away from me, evildoers, I never knew you. It's terrifying, rightfully so. If you refuse the gentle and lowly Savior in his mercy and grace, you'll be eternally damned. So hark, hark, hear the king's warnings. Get out of the road to destruction. Believe in Christ for salvation. In preparing this message, it got me thinking about the two criminals on the crosses next to Jesus at his crucifixion. Both were receiving just condemnation for their sins, for their crimes. Yet one was mocking Jesus, and the one, I believe, repented and believed in the Lord for salvation. Luke 23 records this. Look it up afterwards. There's two criminals There's two choices and two final judgments for them. The thief on the cross that turned to Jesus entered into God's kingdom. In one moment, his identity was found in his cross, a condemned criminal, an enemy of God, condemned to eternal hellfire. But in the next moment, his identity was found on Jesus' cross. He was made redeemed, justified, holy in God's sight, and eternally saved. Hallelujah. God sovereignly decided from eternity past that this man's name would be written in the Lamb's book of life, and we got a firsthand observation of his conversion. In his last breaths, he repented and believed in Jesus Christ and was eternally saved. Hallelujah. And I don't see how the gospel message could be any clearer. That redeemed man's hands were nailed to his cross, but I guarantee that inwardly his hands were lifted high and hallelujah. The other thief mocked the Lord of grace and went to eternal hellfire. And the closest that he'll ever get to God's kingdom It's to be face-to-face with the king at their crucifixion and face-to-face with Jesus at the great white throne judgment right before Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. After the great white throne judgment, you will enter into one of two final destinations, eternal damnation or eternal paradise. Now, I want to transition into the next section of this message But before I do, I want to stop mid-sermon and pray for all the lost because there are so many people that we all know personally that are on the Broadway, on the literal highway to hell. So would you please lift your hands high to God and pray with me for the lost? Holy Father, you're so good and gracious, so good and gracious that you would send your own son down to earth to die in our place, to take the condemnation that we deserve. And he He died and he was buried and he rose again and he showed himself to many, many witnesses that he is alive forever and ever. And that anyone who wants to enter into paradise can come to him and receive his mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's the gospel message. 
Oh God, I pray you draw many, many lost to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So now I want to talk to people of God. Children of God, I know that probably 80% or more of you here today are saved and secure in Christ. Hallelujah. You're safe and secure in God the Father's love. And yet, do you realize now what we've been saved from? Once you fully understand the holiness and righteousness and perfect judgment of God, and once you understand the justice and the power and the dread of God Almighty, you can then understand how gracious he is. Oh, what a kind and gracious Father we have. People of God, we were criminals on the cross. Our identity justly found in our condemnation, and yet we turn to Jesus Christ, and our identity is now found in him. Jesus Christ died in our place. We were made justified by the Lamb. We are adopted by God the Father. We were imputed the righteousness of Christ. We were made holy. We were forgiven. We were sinners condemned, and now we're justified and sanctified, and we will be glorified. Hallelujah. Come on. Give me a better hallelujah than that. Come on. Hallelujah. At the last judgment, when we stand before the holy judge, he will see the righteousness of Christ on us. Hallelujah. If you are in Christ, you will receive a warm welcome into eternal paradise by God the Father. Do you realize the greatness of God's grace? Jesus said that we are so valuable to him that he willingly went through all the suffering, all the shame, all the abuse, all the trauma, all the unjust condemnation so that he would be the perfect atoning sacrifice for us so that we would have a way to escape the perils of eternal damnation. He took our place. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Christians, do you realize the immeasurable grace of God? Praise the true God in heaven. Jesus is Father, our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. <clears throat> Children of God, this is a message of comfort and hope for us. It's comfort for our eternity, and it's encouragement to live our life on earth for Jesus, our King. Luke 23, 43 records where Jesus said to the thief on the cross next to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Redeemed ones, we will be with the Lord in paradise. Hallelujah. We've been saved from eternal hellfire because Jesus, our King, took our punishment for us. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? Amen? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, the gospel of Jesus Christ demands a response. It's either hallelujah, I am saved now and I want to live for my king. Or it's, oh, King Jesus, I desperately, desperately need your salvation today. Forgive me, I'm a sinner. The gospel demands a response. God's people, we were saved to serve. We've been set free from sin, set free from fear, set free from eternal hellfire, and we're set apart for service to our king. We have God's kingdom to look forward to, and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, so what do we have to fear? We can live wholeheartedly for Jesus. 
Can we give up some convenience for Jesus Christ? Can we give up some comfort for Jesus? Can we give up some pleasure? Do less for ourselves and more for our king? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, that only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. So who is it who does the will of the Father? That's you, children of God. You can only do the will of the Father if you've been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus addresses those who do the will of the Father, he's talking to the true believers. And what does a true follower of Jesus look like? How do we do the will of the Father? Well, Start here. Draw a big circle around your entire life and then do your best to glorify the name of Jesus Christ over your sphere of influence. Start there. And if you master that, then Jesus will give you more. How do you know the will of God the Father? Well, how do you go about getting just the right gift for your earthly father for Father's Day or a birthday? You know, you spend time getting to know him, Right? I'm pretty easy. Uh, my wife and my kids know hunting, fishing, and coffee. That's what he likes. So, <clears throat> But how do you know the will of the Father? How, how, do you, how do you go about getting just the right gift for your earthly father? You get to know him. Same with God the Father. You get to know him. You spend time reading his word. You get to know his heart. You get to know his will. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so you can test and approve the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Get to know your Father. And children of God, I implore you to do the will of the Father. Live every day for our God to glorify the name of King Jesus. Pursue his kingdom priorities. Pursue his word. Pursue his glory. The gospel demands a response. It demands action. Does the word of God energize you? It should. If your soul is quickened, as the KJV says, or if your soul is made alive in the spirit, the word of God should be sweet, delicious morsels of bread for your soul. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live for God, empowers us to live for the name of King Jesus. So do the will of the Father, saints. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you have a great reward in paradise. We have a mission, church. Pursue Jesus' kingdom priorities. Fulfill the Great Commission. And in doing so, you'll have a great reward in paradise. Children of God, by placing our faith in the grace of Jesus Christ and living every day for him, when we get to the great white throne judgment, you will hear the applause of our king. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done, Eric. Well done, Josh. Well done, John. I picked that name because I can, I can address five people at once. But, <laughs> but Jesus will say, well done. Well done, Diana. Well done, Nathaniel. Well done. Good and faithful servants. Enter into your master's joy. I live for that applause. How about you guys? I live for that every day. 
Have you ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? I love that quote from uh, uh, the main guy, I think it's Eric Liddell, where he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Do you guys feel the Lord's pleasure every day in your life? There is no greater joy on earth than living in obedience to Jesus Christ. So run your, run your race well. Don't you want to get to the end of your life and say what the Apostle Paul said as recorded in 2 Timothy 4, 7, where he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. <clears throat> so church, our king's command to us is go. Go and take the gospel message to the whole world. Christ's command out of love to those heading down the Broadway is stop, turn around. But our king's command to the saints is go. Go and share the gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything in Christ Jesus, our king, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go and raise up leaders. Go and plant churches that multiply, even in Portland. Go now. Do not delay. Obey right away. Hark, hark, listen up. I'm heralding to you the words of our king. Our king has arrived. He, dies and, he died and rose. He reigns from his heavenly throne. And he's coming again. And one day every soul will stand before the great white throne judgment. It's the last stop before everyone enters into their eternal destination. So what have you done in your life for the name of Christ? So go, saints. Go and live out our Lord's kingdom priorities. Take the gospel to the whole world. And our king will be with us to the very end of age. And we will be with him in paradise. And I have one more thing I want to share with you. And I, and I know it's going to be an encouragement. It's a poem from the famous missionary C.T. Studd. Um, maybe, perhaps you've heard of this. It's called Only One Life Twill Soon Be Passed. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. <clears throat> only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life to assume be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's just a few paragraphs out of the poem. Look it up afterwards. It's really encouraging. But church, we have a mission. We have a mission to fulfill. So Go. Take the salvation message of our King to the whole world. Church, let's pray together. Father in heaven, your kingdom is coming in full force. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. God Almighty, please draw my family members to yourself and save their souls. Please draw my friends to repentance and faith in you, Lord. God Almighty, please save my children. Please save our children and draw them to you. Holy Father, 
Seize my heart and break it for the lost because eternity is irreversible. Oh God, stir up your people to take eternity very seriously and to seek your kingdom in their own lives, in their families' lives, and in their children, and in the people they pass by daily. Sovereign God, we don't know our time, but we know with certainty that the judgment seat of Christ is fixed in time when the children of God will enter into paradise and those who have rejected Christ will be eternally damned. Every moment of our life is leading up to that day. God Almighty, help us to make sure we're ready for eternity. Help us to make every moment count. I pray this in the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.